What's the what's the craziest, strangest, or worst job you've ever had? Oh. You've had a lot of jobs, Brian. <laughs> I've had a lot too. I remember one job I had in uh in college. It I had it for a total of half a day. <laughs> and so it was with iMart. And so they stuck me in the <laughs> they stuck me in the back and they had they didn't really teach me how to do these lenses and you had to kind of I don't know. You had to put the lens on this machine and you had to turn the machine on. And if you didn't do it just right, it scratched the crap out of the <laughs> lens. I could tell you all about that. And so I, I obviously didn't do it right because I didn't have very much training. And the guy comes over there and grabs it and he goes, GD, and threw it in the trash can and got mad at me. And so I was like, all right, I'm done. And I walked out. That was my, the shortest job I've ever had. I've never nice. heard that story. That's yeah. kind of fun. My shortest job was three days, but it, it was at Toys R Us. It was a very similar circumstance where I was <laughs> not trained. Like, I know you think you don't need to be trained in a toy store. <laughs> I was like, store. what are you doing? Destroying a stuffed <laughs> yeah. animal? And like, what did you do? This, I was like this. Sweet, innocent, 19-year-old blonde girl, just like clueless. Maybe I was 17. I was in high school, maybe 18. I don't anyway. even remember. Oh, it was so short. Yeah. But um, one, I mean, I, I knew nothing. And, and one night, they gave me this pile of restocking crap. And I start restocking. I don't know where anything is. And I'm taking forever. And this guy told me, called me a dumb blonde. He's like, <gasps> I don't know why they put a dumb blonde in charge of this. And I just set everything down and I walked out. All right, bye. That was it. I was done. Wow. <laughs> Did not stick around. Do you have a short Man, story there, Jeff? Yeah, I'm trying to think. I've worked at so many places. <laughs> That's so funny because I'm completely opposite. Like, I've had three jobs Jeez, my whole life. I started a job at 16 at Gap Kids, worked there for six years. I actually went, it, I was 16, and then I, through college, I had the high school, I had the job. College, I had the job. And then I came back, and I was the store manager after I graduated high uh, college. Um, but it's funny. I, I'm like, wow, it's kind of. That's why I married Alyssa because she was gonna be my sugar mama. That's right. Whatever. <laughs> and then she got all pregnant and decided <laughs> Wanted to I, stay I want to be a mom. <laughs> no. I guess for me it was. Um, I'm. I've been in the oil field for the majority of my work history, and at one point I sort of regressed and uh went back into the field and i was interviewing with the guy and he's like you're not a field guy you're you're a sales guy and i'm like no 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 i'm a field guy he goes man we're trying to hire people and get some get some consistency in the field you know we want you know we want guys out there that have been out there for years you know we want to build towards that i'm i'm your guy i'll do that no problem i'll do that and i think he even turned me down and then I went back in and said, man, listen, I need this job. I will stay here and do this job. And I worked like two rotations. Just so kidding. I, I was there for like six <laughs> weeks. And then a friend of mine calls like, hey, I need you to go sell this stuff for me. I go, hey, uh, Francisco, sorry, man. Uh, I got to go. <laughs> <laughs> what I meant to say was I will work hard at this job till I find something else. <laughs> yeah. But I honestly wasn't. I was in, I was enjoying it. It was, it was away from the family. It was in the field. But... Uh, from where I was in my life, I, I was going to appreciate that consistency. And and sure enough, a friend is called out of the blue. That's funny. It was hard for us for you to go back into the field. It was not good timing for you to be gone that much. So it was a gift. Yeah, there you go. Yep. So my dream job was <laughs> to be a 
a realtor. I was like, oh, I can sell anything. Like, I got this. But unfortunately, I watched too many, like, 48-hour Dateline episodes, <laughs> and they all the realtors would end up dead. Like, all the cute... I was... I was When I was young, I was cute. And you are baby, cute. You, you know, are still you, cute. But you know what? When you're 20 and you wear six-inch heels and you're like, bam, you know? I'm not there. I'm not that person <laughs> yes, anymore. Yes, you are. I, I would still kill you, Alyssa. Yeah. <laughs> right? yeah. like, I would totally I think this is a little bit you. of yellow journalism. <laughs> yeah. I'm not sure if every single real estate you can sell dies. me a house and no, I'll but kill it was you just like, no. <laughs> <laughs> I'll kill you over. And <laughs> <laughs> what would you do? Would <laughs> <laughs> That's right. Would <laughs> Whatever. Anyway, now I don't have that dream anymore. <laughs> That's fantastic. Uh, my, my worst job was at Coors Field in Colorado for the Colorado Rockies. I was a parking ticket attendee. Oh, I thought you were in. The, you, you were going even in, in the, the right th- direction. I was like, yeah. yeah. Nope. And I was standing field. on asphalt next to exhaust and key cars in August in my no. uniform. Black. It was no. horrible. It was the worst thing ever. The worst thing ever. I thought you were going to say you were selling popcorn in there or something. No. I was Up taking here. tickets in the parking lot. I wasn't even as good as the popcorn people. It was terrible. It's such a terrible job. Oh, yeah, dear. didn't even get in the gates. Courage light, get your courage light. <laughs> nope, oh, that was terrible. All right, now I'm awake. We got this, <laughs> Jeff. Welcome to the marriage oh, what was unfiltered the other question. Con- <laughs> That's all. Okay, go oh, ahead. Sorry, no, I'm good. Welcome to the marriage unfiltered podcast. My name's Lisa Carter. I'm Jeff Carter. Hi, I'm Alyssa Field, and I'm Brian Field. We're just four broken people trying to help broken people. Exposing what marriage really is by removing all the filters. I love that she has has to read hers every time. (laughs) Every time you got to give me a post-it note. It's all right. It's kind of fun to change it up. Always tell people that she's uh, she's got a photographic memory (laughs) and she's like. Hey, I'm not. I'm not there. 20 anymore. <laughs> not that girl with the tall heels That's anymore, right. Brian. She's <laughs> not nearly as Dude, killable anymore. I had some. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, she'll, she'll oh, we lost her. <laughs> <laughs> she's she's got to do that at least once once a podcast. That's my new <laughs> line. She's not killable anymore. <laughs> she's not killable anymore. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Sorry. Oh goodness! <laughs> How do we transition they to the kill- forgiveness? So Let's it, go back to our really, story. serial killers only kill hot realtors. Yes, that's all. <laughs> they leave that's the ugly ones alone. They're like, uh, you betcha. Yeah. But what about me, serial killer? <laughs> Your days are gone. I'm pretty. I'm pretty too. Kill me. Maybe some girl will kill you. <laughs> I'm sure. <laughs> We got to move on to forgiveness. About we're there's moving no away good, from the time. No good transition. When you wanted to kill him, you just, we're just hand, gonna, you handed me no, that, that one. one. Was already there. No, <laughs> thanks. I don't know if that helps at all. Okay. We have notes. How guys. do how this do we transition? What's a good transition? If I die, <laughs> if I get murdered, you gotta forgive the killer. <laughs> Well, I was telling Alyssa that I ran across, you know, I was looking for the quote that Joe always uses at a marriage night, the uh, um, 
to forgive is, is to set a prisoner free and to discover that prisoner was you. Mm-hmm. I thought that was a Joe quote. Uh, that is not a Joe <laughs> original. Oh, no, no, yeah, no. Yeah. So I have to give uh, props to my boy, uh, Louis B. Smeads. <laughs> Get him, Smeads. Yeah. He's a, he's a renowned theologist. So, boom. Nice. That's a good quote, though. Say that's it again. That's worth saying again. To forgive is to set a prisoner free and discover that prisoner was you. Dang, that's deep. It's good. And we talked briefly about that when we talked about bitterness and the weight that comes off when you overcome the bitterness. But yeah, where where was where does forgiveness fall for you guys? Do we let's go through I guess a little bit of what scripture says and a little bit about what the definition is and then we'll kind of share how that's played out in our own families and our own lives. Um you know, Matthew eighteen, twenty one through twenty two talks about when Peter went to Jesus and he asked, Lord, how many times must I forgive my brother or sister who sins against me? As many times as seven? I tell you, not as many times as seven, Jesus replied, but 70 times seven. And how often do I say, well, I forgave him, and I walk away and then go, well, I forgave him. Why do I have to forgive him again? And it's, yeah, sometimes the exact same offense. And he may not continue to hide money from me. I have to continue to forgive and it's for the exact same thing because I have to wake up with that thought. So forgiving does not mean forgetting. And that was a misconception I had for the longest time. Yeah. I'm like, you forgave me. So forget about it, get over it. Yeah. And that's not something that you can expect. That's right. Yeah. Forgiveness also is not letting someone off the hook. It's not saying it's not justifying and saying it's okay that you behave that way. Um, it's not, it doesn't mean you trust them again. You know, trust is rebuilt over time. It's another episode we're working on, working on uh, doing is a trust and truth one. Cause that's a really big one. Um, it's not automatic reconciliation. I have to choose to forgive, but that doesn't mean we're all fixed. Um, it's not a feeling. You Ooh, can't, that's a big one for me. Yeah. Yep. Sorry. No, you're good. It, you don't wait till you feel like forgiving, forgiving to forgive. Forgiveness is a command. You have to do it. Um, and it's not a response to somebody apologizing. We forgive because we've been forgiven. And I, you know, I, there's a lot of things I do every day that I don't apologize to God for. And he forgave me before I even existed. Yeah. And the truth in that for me is forgiveness is instant, but trust will take time to rebuild. So just because we forgive doesn't mean trust is automatically there. Yeah. Yeah, that one's huge. So what does that look like for you guys? What has that looked like and what does it continue to look like? Man, I was going to say we are walking out of or through a season of trauma in our marriage, I guess you'd say. And so to see how Alyssa has forgiven me has been, I mean, it's just, it's been a true testament to where she is in her walk and how you can't forgive like that without a relationship with God. And so through my failures, through my struggles in the last few months through with what we're walking through, I've just seen so much grace and so much forgiveness from everybody that I do life with and it's it's undeserving but yet just a true testament of how much God loves us 
and uh that could that could go the opposite way too you know for someone not to forgive you the damage that that that, that will cause is painful All right, good night. All right, yeah. peace out. <laughs> well, I was going to say, uh, I feel like obedient, I mean, I feel like f- forgiving is something that we're called to do, right? That's in the Bible somewhere, isn't yep. it? Yeah. Absolutely. I mean, that's what Jesus says. You have to forgive, well, yeah, not just once. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, so I feel like, for me, based on what happened, like, I know that out of obedience I have to forgive. And that is honestly easier for me because it is an act. It's not a feeling, but it's kind of, it almost wants to be intertwined with trust. And for me, I had to separate those two things um, because again, it's like, if I forgive, then it makes it all okay. And you're going to pretend like it didn't happen. And that's not the reality. It was, so I feel like because of this one, because of this one, it was, you still validate. It's not like if I still have times where I question you or I doubt something, you are very patient and loving me through that and allowing me to feel those things. And so that was the biggest thing for me is to separate forgiveness and trust and know that out of obedience, I'm called to forgive. And that is, um, that is, God's command and so I can do that but and I don't know so it wasn't it actually wasn't very hard because I know that I'm so undeserving and so I have to do that yeah going back to for you know the different things that forgiveness is not you know the biggest thing is forgiveness is not forgetting um you know I'll I'll never forget because there's a wound, there's trauma. I'll never forget what happened. But I think if we had the ability to forget, there wouldn't be, there wouldn't be a need for forgiveness. If we were, if God built us to where something happened and we could just forget about it, there's no need to forgive. So God built us to remember these things. And we have to remember these things. That's how we grow and strengthen. And having to choose to forgive strengthens you too. If we didn't have to choose to forgive, then what Jesus did for us means nothing. You know, God God says he forgets our transgressions. He does. But it's only because of the forgiveness on the cross. I think that one's really powerful. Another one that I really struggled with, really I felt like me going and saying, I forgive you for these things was permission. What was going. And I had friends that I felt like I was a fool for saying, yeah, Jeff did all these things and yeah, I forgive him. Because I felt like they're looking at me going, well, you idiot. Because I, I mean, there's women I look at and go, you, you're going to let them treat you like that? You know, but I mean, where forgiveness comes in is, like you said, it's a command. It's something I just have to do. Not that it's always been easy. And so the, what's been really crazy is to watch when I do forgive, it not only doesn't it give him permission to keep on per- behaving this way, it changes his heart. You know, so I, you want to talk about that a little bit? hundred percent. Oh yeah, sure. I mean, that's, that was a <clears throat> pivotal, the first time that happened, <laughs> that was a pivotal moment in our marriage and I'll never forget it. Her, you know, me confessing to her 
which was one of the few times I did confess that uh, I had been gambling. And uh, she just right there said, I forgive you, and uh, we'll work through this together. And, you know, that th- those those words, you know, were forever, are forever forged in me. Um, and it's a, you know, it's, it's honestly a really good feeling. It's a, I don't know what the feeling is. It's not, it's not relief. It's, um, um, I get, you know, so something else we'll say in, in our story is, you know, and when we're walking with other couples that are, that are fighting with each other and, uh, and, and we say this just about every podcast, we still fight. We have, you know really good uh, arguments that sometimes turn immature and we start fighting. Um, but, but overall, we made a decision that uh, we, we know that this world is tough and this world is at war and we're in the war. And we've decided that we are, our swords are going to be constantly drawn, preparing for battle, but we're not going to be facing each other. We're going to be back-to-back facing the world and protecting each other from the world regardless of how that happens or regardless of what happens. And that, that comment, you know, those comments she made in our bedroom when I, when I confessed that it was a realization that, uh, that that can be, um, that that can be achieved or I don't know if that's not the right word, but can be, can be attained to where, you know, we can, we can start fighting back to back. Yeah. Yeah. And that whole comment about, um, you know, the being the prisoner who is set free, sometimes at the very beginning, you almost have to force yourself to do it to to forgive because it's not within our nature just to go, oh yeah, I forgive you and genuinely mean it. But um, you know, I was I talked about how I was just such a really hard, bitter woman at that time, and I was policing and looking over his shoulder and pacing like I couldn't even sit and relax and enjoy my family because I was so worried what he was up to what he was lying about getting into hiding and when I chose to forgive that means I had to choose to stop doing those things it didn't mean I trusted him fully but I had to choose to forgive and it genuinely did it set me free mm-hmm. and did I wake up the next morning still free no so one of the neatest things I've heard from a mentor of mine she says forgiveness is about setting yourself free and it's about tomorrow forgiveness is about the future it's not about the past so you step forward in each day put your feet on the ground and choose forgiveness and true forgiveness i was you know a great analogy um you know christ's forgiveness to us um in our world would be like at uh you know i've been convicted of murdering somebody and i'm being sent to prison for life and, or I'm, I'm being uh, sentenced and we're at the, the hearing where I'm going to find out how long I spend time in jail. And all of a sudden Christ walks through the, the door, um, and asked to speak to the judge and say, judge, I want to take Jeff's sin and I want to take the place of Jeff and take his punishment. But not only that, I want it stricken from the record mm-hmm. that Jeff ever did anything wrong Mm -hmm. and you know that's that's a tough that's a tough threshold to live up to um but that is 100 percent true forgiveness yeah i don't i gotta get that tickle out of my throat 
Um, I don't know why I'm so emotional when I say this, but when we went through, we went through this most recent thing, honestly, I didn't trust Brian and, and I really, based on the information that I had, it was hard for me to go anywhere and not, not know if people were like, gosh, I can't listen. Alyssa's so naive. She has no idea what, you know, like I felt like I'm so easily a fool. And so what I had, what I did is I forgave, um, Brian, not knowing if that was it, not knowing if there was more to this story. And so it was like, I have to walk in obedience and I have to forgive. And you know what? It's, I really feel like God does use, I mean, <clears throat> Romans eight twenty eight. we know that all things work together for good of those who love God and are called according to his purpose. So, you know what, if, if this was a bigger thing and, and, you know, I have no idea. The whole world knows about it except me. And there's more to this story than, you know, I'll just, I'll, God may be calling me to follow in Lisa Turkhurst steps and be an amazing author and help people who've been through trauma or whatever. You know what I mean? I'm just saying like it, God has a plan for my life and I have to believe that. And so instead of waking up and going the what ifs, uh, you know, it's like, I have to forgive and I have to walk because I trust God. And I, and so I just had to walk. That's how I walked out the those first couple months of just trying to, to process everything. It was just really honestly knowing that God could use this for good. He was going to use this for good. We don't know what that looks like. You know, there's, you know, I have a dear friend who's walking through some stuff and we don't know what the story, how it's going to end up, but she's walking in faith, trusting God, not trusting what she can see, but trusting God. And I just, that is such a <clears throat> important part of, of what gets me through. And, you know, looking back on things that we've been through, we would, we would not have it any other way because it's made us who we are. And those turn into scars after a certain amount of time and their remembrance. And we can look back and see the goodness of God through those trials. I was talking to a friend today at lunch and she's like, I went through something and I was completely shattered. And I was sitting there trying to just put pieces back together. And then it was like, God came and just restored me into something that I never knew I could be. And it's like, that's, that's why we go through hardships. Not that God creates the hard things. He doesn't. He doesn't do it. But he can use those things to make us more like him. And so that's where the hope comes in. No matter what we go through, God has plans to use the bad for, for his glory. And he absolutely does. That's so true that you say that. And it's, it happened just today, a guy that I have not talked to in for a long, long time calls me out of the blue and says, man, I need to talk to you about something. And he gave me this story of almost exactly what Alyssa and I had gone through in the, in the last couple of months. And he came to me with so much shame and he didn't know that I just re recently walked through that. And so for me to be able to say, dude, it's crazy that you're calling me right now about that because this just happened to us as well. And this is what happened between Alyssa and I. And so you can immediately tell when, when you have, when you extend that grace to somebody that 
they just have it sheds a weight off of these people and so for for me too like growing up i grew up in a truth home like there was no grace and so i didn't understand what it looked like or how it felt or anything and so when god changed my heart yeah you understand grace because you know the story of what he did for us but it's it doesn't resonate until you hurt someone close to you and you see that forgiveness Mm -hmm. and that grace and you realize I don't deserve that. Just like we don't deserve what God did for us. Yeah. But it, it's crazy how he uses it. That's crazy. I didn't know. I, we haven't talked. I didn't yeah. know that someone called you today. But um, I'm telling you guys, if anybody wants to make me this, I would love it. I want a decal on my car that says, you don't know God. Wait, hold on. I messed up. <laughs> <laughs> you don't know God. You, you, do, you don't know God until you need God. Mm. Right. It's so true. Yeah. Like yep. we don't know the heart of God. We don't know how he can fix these situations or how we can possibly move on from complete shattered hearts. But God, we rely on the Lord. You don't know God until you need God. Yeah. Don't you like it? It's catchy, and right? That, and that's true, though. It's like and and he had brought that up when we were talking today. It's like, um, Brian, when life is good. I don't even I don't even think of God. Yes. And then when I fall on my face, <laughs> I come to him and I'm like, God, I need you. Mm-hmm. And and so God doesn't create the problems, but he allows them to happen because we need to have trials and tribulations so that we can understand we can't do it without him. Yeah, I think that it's really easy to see our God as a uh, a bully boy with a magnifying glass and we're a bunch of ants, you know, and he's just punishing us for being idiots. That's not true. There's sin in this world and he does allow hard things to happen so that we have to need him. And when you don't have God, that those are the people it breaks my heart that they are in despair. And who do they turn to? Who do they allow to take that burden so they can learn about forgiveness and grace? There's nobody and so I do, I take it as an honor. It's hard to say those words, but when we suffer, I'm thankful that we have a good God who I do know has his arms open wide and, and not just to carry us along the beach. I do appreciate that poem, but he's not just carrying us along that beach. He's got our truckload of crap too. And he's, he's with us beside us, walking us through, through the hard things and showing us what grace looks like. One of my favorite new verses. And every time I, Um, you know, there's somebody I'm walking with who's struggling through something really hard. I share this with them and I pray over them that morning whenever God's just shared their name with me. But second Timothy four 17, but the Lord stood with me and strengthened me so that I might fully preach the word and all the Gentiles might hear it. Mm. And you, you hear of these, you know, you, the, we talked about it before Christmas. Why, why do we have hard things that happen? And I may have even read that then. I don't know, but you, you have to go through these and you're not doing it by yourself. You think about the fire with Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego and God stood next to them so that when they left the fire, they could say, not only were we not burnt up, but we can't take any credit for it because Jesus was standing right there with us. Yes. And so he stood behind beside us and, and this is Daniel telling about him standing beside them in the fire. And so that, and he talks about when he rescued him from the lion's den, you know, he stood next to him so that, um, the world can know so we can sit in front of four microphones and tell people we've been through it. We've been through really hard things 
but God stood beside us and ta- taught us about forgiveness for each other. And that's what sustained us in those really hard times. So good. So true. Really good. <laughs> so good. Yes. That's a wrap. I mean, really, I mean, that's, that's the heart of God, right? We don't know the heart of God until we need him in our deepest, darkest moments. And he is there. And so, yes, don't lean on your own understanding. Don't try to rationalize why God, because we have to understand that this happened from the beginning whenever um, the serpent, Satan, was trying to deceive Eve. He was stirring this idea of God's heart on trial. Did God really say that? I mean, if he loved you, I mean, like, you're not really going to die. You know, he just, he's twisting all of that stuff. And we live with that, the fall of that now. Like, is God holding out on me? Like, I think I know better. You know, it's, it's that whole thing. And so when bad things happen, we immediately ask God, why, why me? And God, if we have the lens to see God's doing this, God says, I'm doing this because I love you so much. I want you to understand the core of who I am and I want you to, to seek me. And when we do that, it's like we grow so much more through the bad things. And the cool thing about it is it's totally reverse of what the world tells us. And that's really neat because when bad things happen, we should just all hate life and be bitter. And God's like, no, I, going through hard things, allowing, forgiving people and trusting me through them will bring you through to a restoration that you can't imagine. And that's a really cool thing. Yep. There's a, I'm, uh, I've got a joke in my head and hopefully it applies or maybe you'll get edited. <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> you know, a is. guy, yeah, a guy, a guy's praying to God and, and he's like, Lord, you know, help me win the lottery. I need to win the lottery. Hmm. And he, the lottery goes and he doesn't win. Next week he prays the same prayer. Doesn't, doesn't happen. And it's just not happening. And he's finally getting frustrated. He's like, God, you know, I need to win this lottery. Please, are you there? And all of a sudden, uh, the clouds billow up, and and then they, you know, they get dark, and then they separate, and this light comes through the clouds, and he, he hears this voice, and the voice says, "Meet me halfway. Buy a ticket." You know, and and we're sitting there, and we just need God to fix everything. You know, mm-hmm. but but you know, he he wants a little interaction on your side to to help to help things, and so. You know, I've mentioned depression before in my walk and my life, and um, uh, one one of my counselors um, had me set up an hourly uh, alarm on my phone, set up 24 different alarms to run off, or not 24, I'm sorry, uh, 14 different alarms to run off hourly throughout the day, just saying that God loves you. And top of the hour, God loves you, God loves you, God loves you. And just that having that truth... And knowing that, and, you know, sort of a corny joke, but something that I did to help get to halfway for God to meet me was just put some alarms in my phone and um, just challenge people out there, you know, guys out there. We we said it last one, and I'm probably going to start saying it every episode. you got to get in community, and you've got to be able to, to, to find people and and help have, find people to help you walk through all of these things, but forgiveness is a huge one that can just affect so many things in your life. Well, and one of the things that 
it probably doesn't get addressed enough, but it's something that Jeff struggles with is forgiving himself. Mm-hmm. And he mentioned that on the last one, he gets angry with himself, but I see that happen in marriage all the time. And that is part of the shame cycle. If you can't forgive yourself for what you've done, you think the only thing you deserve is to be stuck in your addiction and shame. And so that's where you turn. Whereas if you can receive the forgiveness from Jesus first and foremost, and then receive the forgiveness from your spouse, you have to forgive yourself in order to walk out of that so that you can say, no, I do deserve, like Brian was saying, we don't deserve God's grace, but we do deserve his forgiveness. We do deserve our own forgiveness because he gave it to us. Mm-hmm. And we're, we have, that is our rights as his heirs. And, um, and so you have to receive that your own forgiveness. And so then you have to apply all of the things that mean forgiveness to yourself. It doesn't mean forgetting. It doesn't mean trusting. It doesn't mean reconciling it, but it does mean, well, what did it mean? Giving up the right to get even. It does mean you accept yourself and it means forbearing. So forbearing means I'm going to walk with you through this. Like Jeff said, we're going to draw our swords and stand back to back and fight and we're going to fight hard to carry this load. We're going to forbear with one another. And so that's what forgiveness is. And you have to give that to yourself too, because it's really kind of selfish because I'm giving you all this forgiveness. And if you can't forgive yourself, what is my forgiveness mm-hmm. doing? You know what I'm saying? Does that make sense? That's so Yeah, good. that's good. That's really good. I keep yeah. going back to that statement. I said it probably in the last three podcasts is failure is an event, not a person. And so that I keep telling myself that. Like, if you screw up, it's an event. It's not a person. That's not what defines me. So, and I shared that with that guy this, this afternoon. It's like, man, you're not a, you're, you, you fell, but you're not a failure. Yeah. And you need to speak that over your, over your life. I'm not a failure. We're all going to struggle. Yeah. I like what, one of the lines in this re-engage book. I don't know. Do I need to say the author who makes this stuff? Watermark puts out a, a Watermark. study for couples called Reengage that we walk through with couples. Yeah, and ironically on this page, y'all can see it. See all my my arrows? I'm not making this stuff up. I have it boxed. It says growth happens in the hard times. That's ironic. Mm. Um, but it says in this Reengage book, your first option is to hold on to disappointment, hurt, and frustration, which will almost always lead to anger and bitterness. This is a dead end that will make you miserable. Your other option is to begin to forgive and re-engage with your spouse. And I think that is so true because there's bitterness again if yeah. left untreated. That's right. Toxic. Well, one of the things, I mean, from the same book, we learned so much about forgiveness in this study. It was a big turn for our marriage that we had to walk through. But um, they quote a guy named Gary Thomas. He says, one of marriage's primary responsibilities is to teach us how to forgive. And some people think that's pretty harsh. Like, you mean you made me get married just so I can learn how to forgive? But, I mean, if that's the tool that God uses to teach you how to love and forgive other people, nobody forces us to have to forgive more than our spouse, I think. Mm-hmm. I mean, because you have you don't have to forgive the guy down the street yeah. who is ugly to you. You don't have to even forgive your own parents. Yes, God says you have to. But you don't have to live with them. You, you don't have to fight for them. your marriage. You, you can, can avoid, avoid them. A lot, of, a lot of things. That's right. A lot of people. This yeah. whole world needs forgiveness. But what other? There's there is no other arena that would require forgiveness like marriage does. There's nothing. Uh, politics or work environment or 
There's nothing. You got to have it in your marriage. And it has to be a choice. Yeah. It has, yeah. I mean, that you think of even blood relatives. Like I think of my kids, like I, I never want to lose that relationship. So of course I'll forgive them, but they're my kids. And so it kind of comes a little more naturally with my marriage. I mean, this day and age, I could just sign a paper, pay a lot of money. Apparently I don't, I never really looked into it, but from what I hear, it's very expensive. Oh, no, you can do it pretty cheap. <laughs> you looked into it. <laughs> But it, I had to make that choice. I have to forgive him. And for the sake of now I, I can see how other people see us and, and what it looks like to forgive, and including our own kids, knowing how messy our story is. And we're not shy about our story. Years ago we were, um, but we're not shy about it anymore. And now people do know the story and know not only do I forgive him, but he forgives that monster of a person I turned into, you know, and that took a long time for me to realize my part. And like Jeff said, like it doesn't take one giant monumental thing. It takes lots of little steps and it takes two. I didn't drive him to gambling, you know, but I did respond poorly. And mm-hmm. so that definitely kept him in a shame cycle because I wasn't being forgiving, treating him in such a way. So what are the steps? There's like forgiveness and action has action steps. So the first thing to do is to search your own heart. Like I was just saying, stop, stop and search your own heart so that you can see what, what things you've done to offend other people before you step into forgiving somebody else. You got to figure out what you need to be forgive for. Um, I really liked, um, saw what it says on there. Psalm 139, 23, 24, search me, O God, and know my heart. Try me and know my thoughts and see if there is any grievous way in me and lead me into the way everlasting. So asking God to show my sins um, and and the things that I need to ask forgiveness for. It's true. It's hard. It's a hard thing to do because I'm such a blamer. I did this because of you, you know. (laughs) Well, and it's really cool that the the steps to forgiveness start with repentance of your Mm. own stuff. You know, so you have to examine yourself first. And so you can't go, here's how you forgive. Well, the steps to forgiveness is here's how you repent and find your own junk that you have to confess Ouch. so then you confess mm-hmm. it to god first you don't go to your spouse right away you do search your heart and then confess to god that's the second step mm-hmm. um yeah <clears throat> that's good in first john 1 9 if we confess our sins he is faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness yeah that's true it's a god thing first and then the hard one so just kind of like what Alyssa did with Brian, she went and confessed where she was being disrespectful. And that's how she had to step out into forgiveness. You have to then confess to your spouse. And it's not, again, it just seems backwards, contrary to what we're supposed to think about what forgiveness is. Is If I would have walked up to Jeff and gone, well, I forgive you for lying and hiding money. And he would have probably thought that sounded accusatory. Mm. But if I come and say, I'm so sorry that I handled these things poorly and became bitter and controlling it's it changes the script yes because you're putting yourself like here's how I've acted in the midst of our situation versus I forgive you for what everything you did (laughs) you know pointing it out but like what is my fault in this and when you approach it that way in humility it causes the shield or the guard to come down Mm. and then then there's progress to be made Mm -hmm. Well, and don't you think that even creates this forbearing with one another situation where 
I've come to you and asked for forgiveness. And now it almost feels like, oh, we're a team. You're on my level. You've also offended and you're willing to confess that. And so it's kind of asking you to partner up with me. Yeah. And if it's a situation, though, honestly, there's a lot of a lot of work that needs to be done in a marriage and in a spouse. If, so if one person does do that, this is one thing we didn't mention. But when I did that, I was like, nothing's going to change if I say I'm sorry. But what did you think when I said that? When you came to me and, and said that, I was like, because at that point in our marriage, I was just waiting for her to file for divorce. So when she came to me and said, I'm sorry that I've been disrespectful, and she asked for for, for my forgiveness, I was like, oh, man. Now, <laughs> now, you mean now you're putting the ball back in my court? And something I've got to do, I've got to change. Um, I can't just blame it on you. Yeah, but in that next breath, I was like, we're going to go to counseling. And then he flew off the handle and screamed and had a, you know. So it it didn't turn out well at that point. We're like, we're a team. Right. We're going to forgive. It's like you have to walk in obedience knowing that right then things may not change, but it's planting seeds for down the road. And, and if, if that doesn't change with your spouse, it's your obedience towards God and walk in that direction That's that right. really is important. But it did cause me to lower my guard and, you know, go, go to marriage counseling. Whereas had you not said that, I probably would not have gone. Mm-hmm. And that's a real good point. I don't, I don't know if we mentioned too much about it, but on, on our list of what forgiveness is not, it's not aut- automatic reconciliation. Mm-hmm. So... Mm-hmm. Even even a step further is, um, you know, for for Lisa and I, for for the gambling, for me to confess and her to say I forgive you and we're we're good and and everything's working, for her to come back six months later and say, man, babe, I'm just really not trusting you right now. Are are you gambling? And for me to say, what the hell, babe? I haven't gambled for six months. I was honest with you, and now you're accusing me. That's not that's not accurate or that's not the right way to respond because it isn't automatic reconciliation. And moreover, it may be me delving back into gambling again. And, 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 you know, there's, there's just constant struggles that will happen. And what we can't do is forget those pivotal moments that, that were honest and were true and made the difference. We have to go back to that and see that, um, and, and it's a process you called it, you didn't call it a process. You just called it something else. I forgot. I was going to use the same word, but, um, it's not, you know, it can't, you can't just go and ask for forgiveness and it be granted. And it's a great dinner that night right. and all is good that next morning. There may still be some struggles afterwards. Yeah. It's just a step. Yep. It's right. a step of obedience. Just well, yeah. Obedience. Yeah. That's what you're saying. It's really important to, that's a really important fact to point out though, that your heart has to be genuine and you have to do it for yourself. You can't do it expecting change in your spouse. If you do it expecting change in your spouse, then your heart isn't really being forgiving. You have to forgive going forward, meaning they may never change. And I will forgive 70 times, seven times for each each little offense. Yeah. Caveat here, though, I'm not talking about abusive relationships where Correct. if your husband's beating you, physically, whatever, we are not saying I forgive you for literally destroying my life like that's not okay there are boundaries that I really think are important to highlight here but um, yes on just 
walking out the struggles of everyday life of sin of, and that's the other thing too, is like we've said, like the men that are, do men do foolish, we all do foolish things. We all have sin, but it's like the hope here is that both spouses are walking with the Lord and walking that direction. Yes, we're going to fall, but we get back up and we strive to follow the Lord. That's the goal. That's what we really want is, is both spouses to, to be, that be the goal and that be the mission. Yeah. So that we, you know, we're in that next step of the process where you've confessed to your spouse and you ask, ask for forgiveness. And the truth of the matter is sometimes you don't receive it. And so then you're on the flip side of that coin where you've asked forgiveness and your spouse. So you, you, you have to ask for forgiveness without requiring a response from them. And that's true confession and repentance and choosing. I want to change and I want your forgiveness. And they may say, I'm not ready to forgive you right now. And again, that's pointing to your heart and going, okay, I said, I did what I was supposed to do. This is about me and my walk with the Lord and God will work on him or her in their time or that person. And that, but again, like we said at the beginning, that releases you from that. It's like, I, well, I guess if you're asking for forgiveness, I still think that that is, you know, that's the freedom that you have. If it, it that's right. their response is their responsibility, but that really, that's an act of obedience. And then you take the other two factors. Jesus has forgiven you and you have to forgive yourself. Amen. And so then a, another person, you just have to give them time. And that's okay. Yeah. It's okay. Cause you want it to be. I don't want flippantly like, yeah, I, I forgive you. It really does. And that may be a process where God needs to work on your heart and really bring out some things, some wounds or some things that you need to work through. And that's healthy. Yeah. And to that person who doesn't want to forgive, go back to step one. Remember that Jesus commands us to forgive, mm-hmm. but know that you won't necessarily get possibly get that from your spouse or whoever it is you're offering. This may not be your spouse. We do, this is a marriage podcast, but there are going to be people, be people in your life you need to forgive or ask for forgiveness from, and that this holds true for all of that. Yeah. And even, I mean, even if your spouse isn't, or, or the person isn't present, if they have, they're not there, you can still forgive them because right. again, it frees you. So forgiveness doesn't always mean that person is right in front of you. I mean, if it's someone that you've lost or, you know, there can be so many different situations I would even say that if your um, if your forgiveness process is involving, if I need to forgive Lisa for something, um, if I have to divulge that and um, verbalize that to her, that's not the truest part of forgiveness. It, it doesn't need to be. I don't need to tell Lisa that I've forgiven her about this, that, or the other. If if there's a transgression that she has confessed to me, uh, yes. But if it's you know. Um, I feel she's got an attitude today. You know, I don't need to go to her, babe. I just want to let you know. I forgive her. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> good thinking. Exactly right. Right. That's, that's yeah. a perfect scenario. Yeah. To, if you're having to confess that to them, you, that's, you're not forgiving them yet. That's not, that's, that's calling not, them out. That's mm-hmm. that's a passive aggressive. Oh, exactly. I guess, exactly. Okay. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. You're exactly right. Yeah. Like what you were saying earlier, Jeff, I think is so true. Um, God wants a relationship with us and, by going through these things and struggling, it's like we we can see the heart of God and we see how much he loves us. And that's the, what this whole thing is. It's not about the knowledge. How much Bible knowledge do you have? That's not what it's about. 
it truly is about the relationship. And I promise you, I'd much rather have a relationship with Jesus than know everything and know anything about the Bible. Right. That mm-hmm. comes later because that that's where the desire to know him more. That's how you get to know God more is through his word, through the Bible. He's talking in there. So that's right. It's powerful. Great job, you guys. Thank you for sharing all of that. Any last thoughts? Not that I can think of. Who here wants to uh, give the uh, plug at the end for all of our social media and emails? Let's do it. You got this. Oh, my gosh. Jeff. So, guys, we're like in seven countries. We're doing so good. And <laughs> please like, subscribe, and download our podcast. We'll have another one drop next Thursday. Good job. <laughs> Email us I- at, at couples at smash that like button. What you, what, what's the Marriage email? Unfiltered. Marriage Unfiltered at yahoo.com. And what's our Instagram tag, Brian? I don't have Instagram anymore. But we do. <laughs> what is that? Marriage Unfiltered. Hashtag Instagram. <laughs> Hashtag. <laughs> Marriage Unfiltered Podcast. Okay. Lisa, there's a reason why you do it. Yeah. <laughs> We're a bunch of bozos. No, I'm here. teaching you. You're learning. You're doing great. Awesome. <laughs> as long as I have my sticky notes. Let me write <laughs> stuff down. Yeah, just remember that we may talk about things that Stonegate Fellowship doesn't necessarily agree with. <laughs> our, our views and opinions may di- be different from that of Stonegate Fellowship Church in Midland, Texas. Oh, nice. she's hired. Word. <laughs> Have a great week, everybody.